Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi all, Rachel here just popping in to let you know that we were having some audio issues the last few minutes of the podcast. So in the last five minutes or so, you will hear some clicking or some of the audio dropping out. Uh, We apologize in advance, but we still hope that you enjoy the show. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. How you doing since I talked to you a half an hour ago? (laughs) Good. Has a lot changed? No. (laughs) (laughs) I did get some more notes done for this episode, so that's good. Oh, that is good. Yeah, so I don't know why, but I always have this overwhelming feeling of dread right before we start these podcasts. (laughs) Awful. Okay, well, uh, the listener might feel that way when they start listening to the episode, so... Well, well, that I can understand. I don't know why I feel this way, because I can always, as your mother, force you into just deleting the whole thing if it's terrible, right? Sure. Okay. (laughs) I can tell myself that anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be fun. So, you know, sometimes scary things can be fun, like a roller coaster. You know, I've never gotten on a roller coaster, right? What? What do you mean, what? That's weird. Why is that weird? You mean you've never been... What about Santa Cruz? You've never went on the roller coaster at Santa Cruz? Oh, God, no. So I... (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) When I was 10 or 11 years old, my... Your grandparents took us to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and I went on the wild mouse ride with your aunt, and it scared the shit out of me so bad, I thought I really was going to die. Okay. Um, and that was the end of it after I (laughs) (laughs) never went on one again. I mean, maybe the Matterhorn at Disneyland. Do you consider that a roller coaster? No, but I do think it's scary. (laughs) It is scary. Thank you so much. Okay. It's not a roller coaster, but it scares you. Okay. Yeah. And you're laughing at me. I like roller coasters, but I don't like the feeling of like that drop. You know, when the roller coaster first starts and you do that drop and then you start doing the twists and the turns and the whatever. Yeah, I know that as the feeling that you're going to die. Yeah, I don't like that feeling. So why were you so shocked that have you been on a roller coaster? I've been on lots of them and I'm just, you know, they're kind of fun, but they're also kind of miserable. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather get my thrills some other way. So years ago, my husband and I were in Las Vegas and in New York, uh, New York, there's a roller coaster that like goes through the hotel. Uh huh. And I naively believed him when he said it didn't like go upside down. Oh, my God. He lied to you. I have to hurt him. (laughs) I was so upset. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a jerk. And you and you stayed married to him. Wow. Saying a lot. 
I think I probably ruptured some people's eardrums with how much I was screaming. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, so I, speaking of which, when again when we were in Disneyland when I was I went on there used to be a ride called the People Mover. Oh, where, okay. Yeah, it's a long time ago. And so your aunt and I got in the People Mover and your aunt's all listen, <laughs> watch this and she would just intermittently scream at the top of her lungs to the but, point where a Disneyland employee stepped out from behind the wall and told her <laughs> she she needed to stop. Oh my god! Yeah, it's I don't know what the point of that was, but oh my god, yeah, she, I'm That's sure funny. she was breaking people's eardrums with that. <laughs> I think it was a ride where you would go supposedly go through the future, but in the sixties, you can imagine what the future looked like. (laughs) Couldn't possibly have been worse than the future we have now. Well, that's true. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, that cheery note. Yeah. Let's talk about our book. Okay. It's called the dragon Marshall's treasure. It's book one. In the U.S. Marshall Shifter series by Zoe Chant. And I have to tell you before we start talking about this book that for some reason, I absolutely love the artwork on the cover of this book. I love the tattoos on his body. Hold on one second. All Hold right. on. Sorry, I had an, a quarantine escapee, so I had to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how well this is going to go considering half your household is down with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Who who was the escapee? Or can you My say? It, no, it's fine. It was... I knew it was him. It's like you tell him to get back in that garage. I did. I did. <laughs> Poor Jeff. Get back in your hole. That's right. For not to come out until it's in you have three negative tests. Oh, I'm sure he heard me because I'm in the Dame Dungeon, which is my office, which is literally above his uh man cave. So I'm sure he heard me rolling around in my office chair up here. So he thought it was okay to come in from the garage? Yeah, he was just coming to say hi. Yeah, tell him, hello, you have COVID. I don't need you to say hi. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it doesn't really matter to me. Everyone in the house is going to get well, it. Well, so. I know it's true. You've been exposed. Half, half of us have it, and the other two of us are sick, just not positive, so... Oh, God. <sighs> Fun times. But yeah, talk to me about this hot cover because I, I agree. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, I don't. It was the artwork on his body to me that was really fascinating. I thought it was really pretty. Yeah, he's got like, okay, so he's like shirtless, obviously, well, aren't they always yeah. in these books? And he's got like a big, it's a big dragon on his chest, right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, yeah, so the bottom has like a bunch of treasure. Mm-hmm. And then in the background, it's like a little Marshall badge. And then for him, it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, I got fascinated with the abs and the... <laughs> The V cut, the V and everything. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And look at. Okay. So, can I just say his arms? Yeah. These veins in his arms. Holy fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah. To me, a man's arms have always been. Their arms and their hands have always been a freaking turn on for me. So yeah, he's very hot. 
Yeah, I don't know who this guy is, but he's got some good veins. If you're like the inner vampire in me is all about the veins. You don't you don't <laughs> think he's a cartoon drawing? You think he's a real man? Oh, I'm sure he's a real person and they just overlaid this dragon tattoo. Holy crap. Well, <laughs> he's no, usually they are real people. Well, he's he's no Clive Standen, so let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> Since we we know there's a restraining order out on me when it comes to him, but okay, that's we won't we won't get into that. Okay, so going back to the book, this book is about the U.S. Marshal named Theo, who is a dragon shifter. He works for the marshal's office, recovering property that's been embezzled or taken by thieves, etc. He is hoping he's going to get assigned to a case involving a man named Gordon Marcus, who was an accountant and stole millions of dollars from his clients. And the female point of interest in this book is named Jillian Marcus. She is the polar opposite of her estranged father and works for a nonprofit. After the scandal breaks, she returns to the family home to help her stepmother named Tiffany who she actually cares for deal with the foreclosure process that's coming and to help her move out of their mansion. Yeah. So the dad is a white collar criminal mm -hmm. and he's missing in action. Typical story where he's probably in some country who knows where Jillian, even though she hasn't lived at this house for years because she does not get along with her dad. She does really like her stepmom, so she returns just to help her stepmom. And I really liked their dynamic in this book. I did too. And they do talk about her mom in the first chapter. She's apparently like an absentee mom. And she, Jillian thinks she's probably on another Caribbean trip. Uh, apparently her parents suck, but Jillian is <laughs> a really good person. She's got a really big heart and she's a youth coordinator. So she, yeah, at a community center. Yeah. She does a lot of like giving back. Yeah. So Jillian, the book starts out from Jillian's POV and she's at the house helping Tiffany. And the first thing that I thought was really odd is that her father apparently was a gigantic collector of nutcrackers, which are scattered all over the house. <laughs> it was weird. Her grandmother gave him a nutcracker when he was a kid, mm -hmm. or he got a nutcracker from the grandmother when he was a kid. Yeah. And so it's like his only like childhood possession, really, that wasn't something like rich and fancy. And he just really leaned into the he like thought he had to have an eccentric collection or hobby because he was so rich mm -hmm. so that was what he picked was nutcrackers it's very bizarre it is fun it's funny and mm -hmm. she's gathering them up by the armfuls and getting ready to pack them up or at least try to organize them to make it as easy as possible for the marshal's office and for tiffany when it comes time for them to show up and you know, basically walk through the house and get an idea of what all the assets are worth. It says Jillian has spent her whole life trying to make life decisions by the philosophy of WWDND, which means, which stands for what would dad not do? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And so she does the polar opposite of what her father would do with decisions her father would make. And so she's she's on a really good path in life. And she really wants to help get the stolen money back for the 
the people who lost it. So they don't think that they can get the stolen money back, but they're hoping they can take whatever the possessions are in the house and sell them and use that money towards the victims of the dad's crime. So she's really like wanting to cooperate with the police and with everything that's going on. And it's funny because she picks up the nutcrackers first because she wants the first thing that the marshals take from the house to be something that was really personal to her dad. It's like her own little F you to her dad. Yeah. And she doesn't just like take them and throw them in a box. She like literally like lines them up in the front entryway of the house. Yeah. And there's apparently like dozens of them. So I could just imagine like all these little. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so weird. Like they're guarding the entry. Yeah, exactly. Little soul. I just pictured little nutcracker soldiers lined up. Yeah, and it's in the first chapter that we get a little more background information about her mother. It says that Jillian doesn't look like either of her parents. Um, her mother was very voluptuous. Uh, and her mother was always uh, criticizing Jillian whenever she saw her about her weight. And one day it said that uh, her mother's name was Lila, Lila Marcus was packing up her Louis Vuitton luggage um, and it became very apparent to Jillian that her mom was taking what was important to her and Jillian wasn't one of them, which is really sad. Oh, it was heartbreaking. She was like packing her stuff to leave the dad mm -hmm. and she wasn't making any effort to take the girl with her. So sad. Yeah. And her mother apparently had a pair of uh, silver spiral threaded earrings with pearls on them and she's looking at them and she goes, well, I, I can afford to leave those because the man she was leaving her husband for, she told Jillian, well, he'll buy me better things. He'll buy me nicer things. So Jillian, poor Jillian, of course, asks if she can have them. And her mom is so mean. Her mom goes, oh, honey, I just don't think they would look right on that chubby little face of yours. <laughs> it's horrible it is horrible oh yeah it does say that she jillian is 26 and her mom said maybe once once you slim down one day you they'll look good on you and then we go to theo's point of view mm -hmm. do you want to talk about him i liked theo because he was instantly very uh dragon mm -hmm. in how he thought yes. and how he like viewed the world i thought that was kind of cool yes his chapter opens up with him like looking at the sky and he's thinking about how clear skies and what that means for a dragon and he calls it like dragon weather mm -hmm. and that means you'll get what you want yep we find out he's the only u.s marshal dragon shifter in the entire entire country and he thinks the greatest sin for a dragon is increasing one's hoard dishonorably yep so he likes to work these white collar crimes so that he can take the um, assets and basically the hoard of other people and put them towards honorable means like repaying the uh, victims mm -hmm. of the crimes i love how he there's a line in here where he's talking about gordon marcus and he calls him a paper dragon mm -hmm. that was perfect it was perfect yeah he was a pretender really like yeah uh we learned that his office that he works in has shifters and non-shifters um his boss is named martin uh, he's a silver fox in his early 50s and he's a pegasus shifter uh -huh. <laughs> yes and i was like oh hello silver fox Silver Fox Pegasus. Yes. <laughs> um, so Theo is on his way to the Mart 
not the Martin, Marcus house. But before he gets there, while he's looking out the window, we get a little background on him that he comes from the, the dragons hang out in something called the, is it the real dragons? They don't so don't socialize or intermarry. They're stuffy. They like to keep to themselves. I think his small town is named Riel, where he grew up. Uh, yeah, it's the valley the dragons live in. Yeah, so he's that comes up a lot in this book, his small town that he grew up in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's headed to the house with his partner. His partner's name is Gretchen. Uh, we find out at some point in this book, I can't remember if it's this chapter, but she comes from a family of lynx shifters, but she's not an actual shifter herself. They arrive at the house and Tiffany greets them. She was actually making cookies, even though she's a horrible cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, she apparently does a lot of stress baking. So they walk in and she's like covered in flour and he like he eats a cookie and he's like, this woman must have the jaw of a crocodile because this thing is inedible. Yes. <laughs> yes. At some point, Jillian comes into the kitchen while he's like in there talking to Tiffany and he's like instantly kind of drawn to her, but he doesn't have eye contact with her right away. And apparently you need eye contact to know if that's your actual mate. Well, Jillian's looking down and he's mentally sending her messages going look at me look at me look at me because there's something about her this thought about her i really loved this line um it said he had the strange thought that she would taste of cinnamon hot and familiar and intoxicating Mm -hmm. she eventually does look at him and he uh realizes right away that that's his mate and he thinks she looks like one of Botticelli's women. Yeah. He's always describing her as very like voluptuous. One of those, yes. Yeah. She's very curvy, mm-hmm. very like sensual, very feminine, quote unquote, feminine features. Yeah. And he can tell uh, when she's looking down that she's been crying and he thinks to himself, she should never experience a moment of unhappiness. I know. Ah, swoon. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of swooning in this book, if I do say so. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when she laughed, he felt like he had been given a rare jewel. The wording is really oh, good. It's really well it done. It's like the, the jewel for the dragons and um, the scents and even how he like describes her hair because I think she has some red in her hair. And so he thinks it's kind of like fire and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, when we switch back to Jillian's point of view, um, she thinks that somehow he looked like Autumn Somehow he even smelled like autumn, like hot bonfires and cold night air. And that had always been her favorite season. The descriptions are so good. Yeah, they they really are. I I have got mm-hmm. to agree with you. Uh, she decided that uh, the guy, at least this guy was a silver lining in a crappy, a crappy day she was having. If she has to give the marshals a tour of her childhood home and like hand over everything she grew up with at least she could look at some eye candy while she does it right exactly so she offers to show him around she likes him she says he's very gentlemanly and he's lean and muscular which i which i like she said um i'll just show you around and then i'll get out of your hair and he's like well you're not in my hair uh and yes i would love a tour she says these as you see are the nutcrackers and he's all trust me i noticed we noticed and he tells her gretchen went out to check the perimeter they were terrifying he thinks of the nutcrackers as terrifying and doesn't understand why they're there 
He nudges the nearest nutcracker with the toe of his shoe. He said, I cannot unleash these on the innocent public without knowing more about them. Are they possessed? Will they come to life? <laughs> this book is so goddamn funny. Their banter is so great. Is. And the humor is like the banter. And it's just got that like dry, mm-hmm. like witty sense of humor. I really like it. Yeah, I wasn't it. expecting it at all. I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, I have more stuff quoted from that section. Yes, Can I please. Read go it? ahead. He says about Gretchen, he goes, I think she almost gave one, two shots to the <laughs> chest. They're t- terrifying. And then uh, Jillian says, to be fair, most of them are carrying swords. Anyone would be nervous facing that many armed men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the end of that. Yeah, and when he says to her, will they come to life? She's all, well, that's a risk you'll have to take. And he's like, "Hmm, maybe I'll just burn them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, why nutcrackers? And that's yeah. when she, she explains about the grandma, right? Yeah, the grandmother had made a nutcracker, I think for this his sister, as like mm-hmm. a gift, and the sister didn't want it, and her dad liked it, so he kept it. And so Jillian always liked that he liked the nutcracker because it was basically a doll. Right. Anyways, the backstory's good. Mm-hmm. Really explains why he has these weird things. Yeah, he tells her to, you know, go ahead and you can keep the one your grandma made. And that's when she he, she says, well, he needed some kind of eccentric hobby. And mm-hmm. then they go to the linen closet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they, they spend so much time at the linen mm-hmm. closet. And he has a full on, no joke, nerdgasm over the lace mm-hmm. in the linen closet. Well, it's beautiful handmade lace that's made of linen and not cotton. She's like, wow, he really knows his stuff. Like, this is so random that he's like z- focusing on like the linen closet, and what have you. But the inner dragon in him is like, oh, all the hand stitching and all the work that went into this. And you see how it changed color very, he very much dorks out right. on the worth of the linen. He's like, Something like this is supposed to be treasured, not hidden away in a closet. He even talks to her about how to wash handmade lace. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it was hilarious. And he he thinks it's it's so sad that this thing, uh, that many of the beautiful things in the world are only made through struggle. And I thought, boy, that's the truth because, well, my grandma used to make lace and I have that gigantic lace bedspread that my neighbor that I was my neighbors that when she went into Mm -hmm. retirement home I got it but I'm like oh my god yeah you do you if you know anything about that type of stuff you do like geek out over it and fondle it yeah yeah and then Jillian says well I try to be more on the side of the lace makers and and he's like yeah your your stepmother Tiffany told me so it's not shortly after that I don't think right I I feel like it was 15 minutes into the house tour and he asks her out on a date (laughs) yeah there's a there's a lot going on in the beginning of it and I was really surprised that it moved along so seamlessly right by seamlessly do you mean lightning speed because if so yes <laughs> i liked it i was all for it yeah no i didn't really mind it i was just like when i got to that part i was like oh wow no we're really he is actually just gonna go for it he's just gonna ask her out on a date literally like 20 minutes after she started the house tour and she says yes yeah because she, she's like, okay sure is attracted to him right yeah she says um at one point or yeah, at some point in this chapter, she says she's basically drawn to him because he looked like Prince Charming. He spoke like <laughs> Masterpiece Theater and he had kissed her hand I, yeah, earlier. Yeah, I 
made that note too. I freaking loved it. And that she, she could understand how people swoon. Yeah. And then also at some point she thinks that he was hot, mm-hmm. smart, honorable, and equipped with a deadpan sense of humor. So dry. He could toast the bagel with it. Oh, I know. I laughed so hard. <laughs> oh yeah. I highlighted that. So I'm like, yeah, what's not to love about Yeah. Him? What's not. And he tells her, you don't have to do this if it's too hard. Um, and she's like, no, I, it's kind of like when you rip off a bandaid and he's all, it's your bandaid, your call. And she'd like that because he's respecting her enough to say not to try to make things better for her or to let her feel or go through the process she needs to go through. I don't know if it's right around this time, but at some point in this chapter, um, she tells him that he sounds like a knight mm-hmm. because of what he's oh, saying. Yeah. And he coughs and he goes, definitely <laughs> not a knight. And she goes, that's insistent. What? Did knights kill your whole yeah. family? And he God. says, not my whole family. <laughs> oh my God. That, yes. It's very funny. They're very mm. funny. She actually says to him, I'm glad you're here. And he says, I'm glad you're here too. Yeah. And then he kisses her, which was really hot. And oh, when he actually touched her, he felt really hot to her, feverish. It felt like kissing the sun. You know, he starts to bite her lower lip and he he um, tugged her hair, which, you know, I'm just <laughs> wild for. <laughs> and she's all, Theo, please close the door. And yeah. I love it. Oh my God. Hey, these are my, she's- this is your mother's kind of people here. Oh my God. <laughs> So he kissed her during the tour, which I think was at 45 minutes into Mm -hmm. the tour. And yeah, she was like, close the door. I was like, oh my God. I was like, your stepmom is in the kitchen. Gretchen's who knows where securing the perimeter. Yeah, she's checking the perimeter. (laughs) They're fine. But I probably would do the same thing if I was like a curvy 26 year old in this hot AF masterpiece theater smoke show well, i would still do <laughs> no pun intended I, I would still do that i'm 30 pounds too heavy 64 year old <laughs> you know once it's in you or your bloodstream it's in your bloodstream so she ends up hopping up on the desk and spreading her legs so he can step between them uh-huh. this was very hot and they continue kissing and then a brick comes flying through the window yeah and that was kind of scary. It was very scary, but he Theo instantly had pulled her close to him to cut shield her with his body, which I love too. And he was furious. Yeah, he thinks she could have got hurt. You know, he does all that uh, mate protective type stuff. Yeah, and there's, of course, a piece of paper wrapped around the brick and someone had typed, get out now. She said, <laughs> this is funny. She had expected to get a note like this one day because people hated them. She's all, but there's extra exclamation point. I did not see that coming. That was a twist. (laughs) (laughs) They've been, we find out a little bit later that they've been having some um, like pranks and stuff pulled on them or some like retaliation. So this isn't the first time they've had sort of this incident. Yeah. And after she makes that comment, that's when she realizes there's some blood on his shirt and she freaks out because, you know, she says you're hurt by the flying glass. This part was so funny because she's freaking out that he's bleeding, but then he's freaking out that he's not bleeding enough because he's starting to self heal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she's like running off trying to find the first aid kit and he's freaking out that she's taking too long and all his wounds will be gone by the time she arrives. Right. I think he's in the kitchen or something and she bandages him up. And then he insists on staying with them that night because it's their last night in the house. 
And Tiffany was not planning on leaving until the next morning because she has like a new apartment or something she's moving mm-hmm. into the next mm-hmm. day. And so Jillian's like, I'm going to stay here with Tiffany tonight because she's definitely going to be here and I don't want to leave her alone. And then, of course, Theo's like, well, then I'm also definitely staying here because... I don't know who this brick person was and I don't want to leave you alone. He like questions her or she like, no, I think she just confesses in the kitchen. She's like, I paid someone to throw the brick. I thought, Hey, how can I get deputy Marshall Theo to take his shirt off? He goes, wow, you work quickly. She goes, thank you. I value efficiency. (laughs) And then she's talking and she's joking around. She's all, damn it, Jim. I'm a a youth coordinator, not a doctor. And I thought that was hilarious. She was the new center of his gravity. And I thought, oh. I don't ever have somebody describe me like that. Well, me either, but I can still think it's awesome. Yeah, she does notice. She says, wow, those are shallower than I thought. Well, yeah, because they're like healing. (laughs) So, oh, and then he makes some comment about like, oh, you know, there's a lot of, or no, I think Gretchen covers for him. And she's like, there's a lot of blood vessels at the surface of your skin. And so Mm -hmm. it bleeds a lot more than it usually warrants. And she's thinking, well, that's not true because I'm a youth coordinator. I see this type of shit all the time, but okay. She just kind of lets it go. Yeah. And he says, I, you know, I can't afford to get distracted. You could have been hurt. And then she says to him, unless you're one of the X-Men and he, he frowns and goes, Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, Rogue, wait, are you asking if I can turn into a Wolverine? He doesn't know what the X-Men are. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Well, because it's his like home, small hometown is like, uh, I think it's like almost like Amish country. It's like back in mm-hmm. time. They probably don't have electricity. He's just Whoa. like, well, we didn't have TV. We didn't have this stuff. So I don't know what that is. <laughs> they go around in this circle for a while about the X-Men until Theo finally establishes that one, the X-Men are fictional superheroes and not real life shifters. Two, Wolverine could not turn into a Wolverine. And she's all, this makes yeah. me want to show you so many movies. You're like my perfect mm-hmm. blank slate. She's all, do you even know the twist ending in The Sixth Sense? Do you know who killed Dumbledore? (laughs) And he says he does know that. Yeah, it's so cute. Their banter is just adorable. I keep saying that. Oh, yeah. So they had books. That's why he knows about the Harry Potter Mm -hmm. stuff. But I guess they didn't have TV or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Books were a special type of treasure his parents would allow, basically. Yeah, and then they talk about, you know, spending the night there. Jillian says, I just want to help her get settled in her new place. And he thinks to himself, she has a streak of principle, hard as steel, draconian quality. He thinks she's very noble in her quests. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about Don Quixote and Quixotic's principles and things like that. I'm not going to talk about that anymore in my notes. Just know that it's a running yeah. theme in the book. Okay. So they end up having dinner. And then Tiffany leaves the dinner table and goes to bed and leaves them alone. And she's just like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Enjoy your evening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this stuff does happen fast. They end up going. Oh, so she's staying in the attic because she didn't want to stay in her childhood room. Mm -hmm. He thinks about it. All he responds is it's like an eerie. And um, she'd had to have him explain that that was an eagle's nest or he added awkwardly a high ranking dragon's mm-hmm. den <laughs> so he loves that she's staying in the yes. attic so he does take she takes him up there right 
And he goes, but yes, I'm, she wastes, she no, wastes time. no time. And she's, he's like, but I'm supposed to be protecting you. And she's all, okay, then leave your gun on the nightstand. And he's all proposition accepted. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, there's no nutcrackers up there. Is there? No, there's just a bunch of old attic junk and a really, really loud squeaky. Oh my bed. God. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, she she <laughs> nudges the mattress with her knee, and it's a seesawing, creaky, vibrating bed frame. And he kind of winces and goes, we'll bring the house down. And she's all, promises, promises. She starts to unbutton his shirt, and she's all turned on by his tattoos. And she yeah. says, you're mine to scrap. So I don't have any notes on this section other than they wasted no time just getting it on. And then at the end, he makes a really stupid joke about how he seized her assets. I was like, really? Oh, I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. And she feels like it's kind of cute, but it's also cheesy. It is very cheesy. Um, and she tells him it's your turn to forfeit to me. And I go, I have a note that says, oh, foreclosure humor. Adorable. I have no complaints about this uh, section of the yeah, book. And it was pretty good. I like their banter. The description is good. She starts to ask him about his family afterwards in the afterglow. Yeah, they talk more afterwards. Mm -hmm. and he tells her a little bit more about the small town he came from. And then she falls asleep thinking about how she's falling in love with mm -hmm. him. And he tells her his parents died when he was 17. And he had always been a thorn in his side. And... She's like, well, why is that? And he says, I applied to colleges. <laughs> and she's like, that was, your parents were upset about that? And that's when he says, people usually don't leave the town he's from. He said, everybody that lives in the Valley is very old fashioned. And she's like, well, I kind of like it. It's, it, I like hearing that everyone is courteous. And he's all, thank you, my lady. He, he says that he felt trapped because these people from his town had a very hard line thought process of how you should behave and what you should do. And he wanted to get out and away from people that were snobby and arrogant. And she starts talking about her dad a little bit and tells him that her father always, after she left, you know, to go work for this nonprofit or whatever, she said her father always thought she would come back if for no other reason because of the money. And then it's the, the, the next chapter it's from Theo's, point of view and it's him waking up in the morning gets out of bed and he goes downstairs to make her breakfast tiffany's down there so he's a little embarrassed uh embarrassed mm -hmm. that everything was heard um but she doesn't mind it and she actually ends up leaving while she's talking to him because she's like wants to give them alone time plus I think she's going to that apartment that she had to move into. Yeah, I'm not sure. This was um, romantic because Jillian comes downstairs and she she says to him, good morning, I was worried you were gone. And he hadn't even thought about that part because it was so, it would have been so wrong to him that didn't even cross his mind. And he tells her, there's no power in the universe that could have taken me out of your bed. And I just swooned. Swoon. That's what I wrote. Swoon big time. <laughs> And she's all, that's acceptable. He and his dragon communicate, and his dragon was telling him he needs to load her down with jewels and finery. He's like, this French toast is great, but it's not rubies or diamonds. So, like, where's all the treasure hoard that we're supposed to be giving her? Right. <laughs> and then we get to the part that I thought was really interesting, the way this is presented. He wants to tell her he's a dragon shifter. 
Um, he mm -hmm. tells her there's something I have to tell you. I've never told a single person. And the dragons all impress her. And he's like, how am I supposed to impress her? And he's all, dragons are impressive. And so he <laughs> yeah. looks around the size of the kitchen and realizes it would, it would in fact be big enough for him to shift and show her the dragon. And he's apparently he's one of the few that can control his shifting. Yeah, he can shift parts of his body and and the whole body. Yeah, so he tells her, look, I want to show you something. And he blows out a puff of coppery green dragon flame. And Jillian looks at him and says, you can breathe fire? And he, she, he's all, well, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm a dragon. There are people who are shifters who can turn from humans into animals. And she's all, werewolves? And he goes, werewolves. She goes, but you're a dragon. She goes, you're a were-dragon? He goes, we just say dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she takes this so nonchalantly. Then she starts asking him more questions. What about unicorns? Yeah. That would be my first she's, question. Are there unicorns? She's like, this isn't as bad as, you know, I thought. She's taking a bite of her French post. She's, are, are uh, unicorns real? And he goes, well, Pegasus, though, winged horses, they're real. My boss is a Pegasus shifter. Yeah. It's like the last um, one we had where he outed everyone's secrets. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, well, my boss is a Pegasus. <laughs> yeah. And she, he tells her, I've never told anybody before. And she's like, you've never told anybody you're a dragon? And he's all, no, only you. And she's all, can I see you? And he likes the fact that she's not afraid. So he does. He shifts. And... In, in the, the kitchen, kitchen, which apparently this kitchen is huge. Because he thinks that he's a 15-foot-long dragon. So this kitchen must be freaking gigantic. Yeah. But I guess it's in a mansion, it's in so a whatever. Mansion. Yeah, so his vision is sharper. And she's still not afraid. And she asks if she can touch him. So he lowers his head. And he thinks to himself, he hadn't been touched. Nobody's touched his dragon with human hands since his parents died. That part was sad. But then also, I just get the visual of her, like patting his head like between his eyes like he's a puppy oh no see i didn't <laughs> think that i didn't think that and she's she's touching him and she goes you're so beautiful he's red and gold in color yeah and he lowers himself until he was lying at her feet uh, and in dragon speak it means he's pledging complete devotion and loyalty to his mate and then she says to him you're a dragon and you told me you just met me <laughs> she like instantly gets mad at him love how she's like what the hell are you thinking yeah like, why me you don't know me why are you telling mm -hmm. me she's like humans are gonna find out about you they're gonna yes! experiment on you you have to yeah. hide like we need to be really careful yeah. she's really like takes the protective mode for him it's really cute yeah and he says humans can't see a shift unless we want them to and then she asks why me and he tells her well with shifters when you find the person that's right for you, you know all at once. It's like you're the lock and they're the key. Jillian, you're my key. And I was, my note is like, oh, this book is so awesome. It was really sweet how he like presented her with kind of like the mate, um, the mate pull, the mate attraction without saying like, you're my mate. Right. He was just like, you're my person. Like you're my puzzle piece. I did like that. Yeah. It was different than the right. usual, like, well, you're my mate, and so we're supposed to be together. Right, and the next chapter is from Jillian's point of view, and she did believe him, and she knew in her heart he wouldn't be lying to her, that he was honorable, and he says to her, I, 
I know you might not feel the same. And he doesn't even finish the sentence. And she's like, but I do. But yeah, she instantly shuts that down. She's like, no, I'm here for it. We're good. Like, yeah, we're all on the same page. This is perfect. And me. then he, he sits <laughs> her up on the counter besides the bowl of French toast batter. And she goes, well, this is not sanitary at all. Funny. It reminded me of when we did yes. that one book, yeah. um, The Vampire King. And at the end, they were in the kitchen. I was like, well, that's how he got yes. that, you know, disease. disease. <laughs> Don't have. So as soon as yes. that happened, I was like, yeah, exactly. It's not sanitary. Right. Don't have oral <laughs> sex on the table. After that, she, for the first time in her life, she thinks she understands what makes someone wanton. And I thought, oh, yeah. And uh, he tells her about the fo the folklore in their valley where he came from. Um, it was that shifters came about because of the spiritual connection people had with particular animals, whether it is a cow or, you know, a pig or a dragon or whatever. And he said dreaming made the shifting happen. Yeah. I didn't make notes on that, but yeah, I remember he talked about that. Yeah, then she realizes she wants to take him to her apartment. And he tells her he wants to take her to the office so that they can they can both see where each other lives and, you know, his coworkers or whatever and get to know each other better, right? Yeah, she thinks about how the apartment is her actual home, not this childhood home that she doesn't actually live in. Yeah, it's more intimate. So she wants him to, yeah, so she wants him to see the apartment for that reason. And then he thinks about how his work is like his home because he spends a lot of time there when he has his like coworkers there and whatever. So they talk, yeah, they talk about how they're going to do that. And then they do like the same day they leave and they go to her apartment to see Yeah, it. She lives in a building called the steeple chase in a not so great part of town that it's old and dilapidated. Uh, and she said that she deliberately picked the ugliest apartment complex. <laughs> She's trying so hard to be the polar opposite of what yeah. her dad. She just picked something that she could afford off of her salary at the community center. Mm -hmm. And she liked it because it had character. And I think because the dad's house was so like yeah. cold and sure it had a lot of stuff, but that stuff was pretty meaningless. Yeah, and Theo describes the house as being nondescript when he first sees mm -hmm. the, the mansion that even though it was a mansion, it did, it had no character so she lets him into her apartment and she's kind of nervous because he's turning around looking at all of her stuff. And he turns back around to her and says, it's you and it's beautiful. Yeah, because it's so personalized. Yeah, and he's, he thinks dragons aren't notorious for liking comfort. So he basically had nothing. Um, when he was growing up, you mean? No, it, now in his place. Oh, yes, yes, yes. His Yes, that's right. His place is very like sterile i guess i don't know if we ever actually see his place or he just thinks about it i think it. he just thinks about it and then he's they're on yeah. their way to his office and now he's getting nervous i really liked how it was like the very next day and they just were like well this is what yeah. we're gonna do so let's do i it. liked it too it was yes it was a nice change of pace and she starts asking me about shifters that they know right away when they see each other and she asks, does everybody always find their other person and he tells her no which was kind of sad and he also t says to her we weren't raised to be happy it's almost like they think that the mate uh thing is almost like an urban legend at this point 
which so that's another reason why a lot of people don't leave the town because if you never leave the town your mate has to be in that right. town but what if your mate's not in that yes. town then you're just right screwed. and she thinks how sad of a statement that is and says she she thinks she was raised she had always been raised to always be happy Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they walk into the Sterling Courthouse, which is where his office is located. And he introduces her to one guy named Colby. And he says, Colby, this is Jillian Marcus. And because Gretchen had already gone back to the office, she told everybody that he met his mate at this house. Uh-huh. Everyone's just instantly accepting and really mm -hmm. warm and open, which is nice. Yeah, and he just turns around and yells out in the office, hey, everybody, Theo and his mate are here. He's like the polar opposite of Theo because Theo is yes. like really like by mm -hmm. the book, rigid. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's like old-fashioned, uptight-ish. And Colby is like the class clown. Yes, and Col he tells her Colby's a werewolf. She, she's all you can tell me embarrassing stories uh, about Theo and because he grew up in this valley he wasn't exposed to everything and they're like well he didn't know how to use a vending machine <laughs> he didn't like putting he didn't like putting his coins mm -hmm. like he didn't like giving, the up, the coins. He didn't like giving up any of his hoard oh <laughs> uh. it like pained him to put his coins in the vending machine yeah and Colby it, refers to Theo as uh, the Ice Prince, and he's glad that Jillian has been able to thaw him out and see the best parts of him. And then I love this next chapter. He tells her, I want to take you to dinner. And she's like, it's four in the afternoon. He goes, I want to take you to a very <laughs> late lunch. She says to him, do you know what dating has that we don't have? And Theo's trying to think about it. And he goes, engagement rings and rings and creme brulee a facebook status and she goes no uncertainty i loved the oh my god i did too i laughed so <laughs> damn hard magda magda yeah she's like a quirky lady which i don't think we ever actually figure out what she is but i picture her as like a witch or an oracle almost well, they they say... I, what did you think she was? You know, they say in here somewhere what she is. Hold on one second. He wants to warn her about Magda because Magda always comes from a very negative, dark place. She's the ultimate pessimist. Yeah, and <laughs> but and she can recognize shifters, but she she's not a shifter herself. Be an oracle. I don't know if we know what she is, but it doesn't really matter. She's just... So she like owns the restaurant and she came out of the kitchen to like take their order. And she, when she's like taking the order, she's making comments like, you're going to hate everything yeah. you eat. It's all terrible. The food here sucks. <laughs> yeah. You're the white sheep daughter, aren't you? And Theo's dragon's freaking out going, you're going to upset my mate. Her darkness will encroach on his mate's light. And and Jillian's very takes it all in stride. I've always felt like the black sheep, like black sheep, got an unfair bad rap. And Magda's all we all get slaughtered in the end. Jillian wants to order the shrimp, and Magda's like, "Go ahead, but it'll probably make you sick." Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Theo tells her she's shifter adjacent. She comes from a mystic bloodline. She can, she can't transform, but she can recognize us. During this interaction, she speaks to him in what he calls oh, an old mm -hmm, draconic mm -hmm, language. Yes. 
So she's, I'm assuming she's super old or something. Mm -hmm. Starts to talk to him about her dad saying, you know, as bad as her dad was, she still loves him. It's her father. She's all, I don't want to lose him, you know, but I want to put him behind me and I want to look to the future. And she said, my family now is you and Tiffany. I love that. And he says, I'll do whatever I have to do to help you put peace, come to peace with your memories. Suddenly she's on the same side as the table as him, her legs over his leg. They're kissing and then a spray of cold mist broke across him. The drenching was alarming. Theo blinked out of his eyelashes in confusion and Magnus all new mates. She's got a plant sprayer. It's so funny. She's all incorrigible. No respect for public decency. <laughs> it's like they're cats yes! and she's spraying them with the water. It's hilarious. <laughs> And he apologizes to her. We just got carried away. And she's like, go carry yourselves away elsewhere. Yeah, they go back to the dad's house. She's like, maybe wants to get like a little keepsake. She even thinks like something like a Backstreet Boy mm -hmm. poster or NSYNC poster. She's like, I don't even care what it is. I just like, I'll just take one little mm -hmm. memento from the house. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, there's a big bang, a big explosion. Mm -hmm. He had instantly had shifted into dragon form and wrapped his wings around her to protect her. And she kind of opens her eyes and realizes she's on her knees. And she just keeps thinking, I have to help Theo. I have to help Theo. And because of the explosion, his he's been hurt. I pictured him as only having his wings out. Did you picture him as being fully shifted? Maybe it was just his wings. I Maybe you're right because he can shift only he has control enough control to only shift part of them. So yeah, maybe you're right. He just shifted his wings um, to protect her and they were seriously damaged. Oh, no, I know. There's a part, I have a note that says he, sh from the book that says he shifts back into his human form. So he must have dragged, he must have shifted into his dragon. Okay. Well, either way, his wings were like wrapped around her like a little mm -hmm. cocoon. But then his wings got all messed oh. up. Oh, so bad. And broken bone and yeah oh like i just picture like holes in them and oh terrible yeah so when she real finally realizes what's happening he shifts back to his human form and they realize the house is on fire and they have to get out of there i think her room was upstairs because they ran to like a different room to get out and they like climbed down a trellis or something right yeah because they were they were upstairs and when they ran towards the stairs they realized the the staircase was gone from the explosion and they, mm -hmm. the house was enveloped in flames. So they run to her father's bedroom because he had some kind of a trellis off of his bedroom. And so she gets him to go down first because he's so damaged. And the thing I liked about this book when I liked a lot of things, but I really like this part because usually it's the shifter that is always protecting his mate and always taking charge and always taking over but he's really hurt in this book. And so Jillian is taking over and protecting him and helping him get down this trellis and tells him, you need to go first. He actually listens to her and goes down the trellis first because normally in shifter books, the shifter would be all, no, you're my mate. You have to go first. I have to make sure you're okay. But no, he listens to her, does what she says. And as soon as he gets down, she climbs down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised when he didn't fight her Me too, that. but I liked it. They, the dad had converted like the barn on the property to like a big uh, car garage. 
or something yeah. to that effect. Mm-hmm. So they, they run to that location. They take one of the sports cars mm-hmm. and they use the back like servant entrance mm-hmm. to the property to escape without anybody seeing that they were there. Yeah, and he's bleeding everywhere and getting cold, which is really a bad sign for a dragon. And so they call his boss, Martin, to tell him what happened. And Martin's going to come up with some kind of cover story. He just tells Jillian to take care of Theo. So she drives them to Riel using like the best directions that he can give her. But then on the way, he ends up passing out. He had given her GPS coordinates and she gets there and there's nothing. She doesn't know where to go. (laughs) It's like a big tree. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, she's like, okay, like there's no more Mm -hmm. road. All I see is this big like tree. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) And then she's like, oh, dragons can hide themselves. So, you know, apparently they she can't see it because she's not a shifter so she tries to figure out what am i supposed to do? i like it because she's smart in this book what would she, what would she mm-hmm. do there's got to be some password or something to get into real something no dragon would give up without a fight something personal yeah so then she she tries a couple of things they don't work and she ends up being like okay dragon treasure like let me think of some treasure that i could like try to present to the tree so she ends up like taking one of his rings off of his hand and like holding it up to the tree, right? Yeah, and it's sad because that's the only way she realizes he he still has some fight in him because when she's trying to slide the ring off his finger, he's trying to keep his his hand <laughs> in a fist so that she can't get the ring off his finger to protect his hoard. And she took that as a good sign. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she she mm-hmm. holds her hand up towards this silvery white tree and nothing happens. I can't remember what she says, but she makes some sort of like declaration. Yeah, I, ha- I have a note of what she says. Okay. She's all, this ring is from the horde of Theo St. Vincent. He's a citizen of Real and he's hurt. I'm his mate wearing his gold. I asked for entry. And the white tree just starts to split apart and the light is so bright. It's almost blinding her. And then she sees the other road. Mm-hmm. it's like wizard of oz yeah. like yellow mm-hmm. brick road appears yes yeah <laughs> so she like drives the car down the road she ends up in like the middle of town i picture like um like a old wild wild west like road i'm sure it's not like that but that's what i was picturing and she like pulls up in the middle and she like parks the car and she's basically like yelling for help yeah right? she just starts in the middle of yeah town. she starts laying on the horn Mm-hmm. And then people are like coming out of their little houses, like in their pajamas, and they're like, "What's happening? Why is a human yeah, here?" Yeah, they're mad. Then, yeah, some of them recognize Theo, so she gets like a lot of people, a lot of attention very quickly. Yeah, she says, "I'm Theo St. Vincent's mate. I'm human. Yeah, but he's one of you, and he's hurt. If he were you and you were him, he would not let you die. Theo has honor. Find your own." I freaking love that. <laughs> She forces them. Yeah, to help and her. then she, a woman's voice says, "Well said, honored hum, honored mate of Theo Saint Vincent," and it's a Latina woman in her mid fifties, Doctor Mendoza. Mm-hmm. So she explains to her what happened and that, you know, he's clammy, and she, the doctor says that could be a sign of an infection. It, she tells him his wings are damaged. And she said, well, it w- that wouldn't have happened if he had stayed in dragon form. But when he brought them back into his body, who knows what kind of crap 
was stuck on his wings, we shifted back into a human and brought all of that yuckiness inside his body. She describes how like the dragon exists in like this empty space. What does she call it? Like the horde yeah, space or the something? Yeah, the horde space. Yeah, so I picture like this room or something where his wings are. And so he has to just keep them how they are. She can't like force him to shift because it could hurt him even more mm -hmm. now. So it's kind of like a sit and wait and she'll do what she can for him. Yeah, and she explains to the doctor, well, he was trying to get us out of the house. There was a bomb. And the doctor says, I've known your mate since he was no taller than my knee. And he always seemed to find a way to neglect his own injury. Yeah, because he hurt himself worse when he put his wings yeah. inside. But, like he didn't have many options. What else was he supposed to do? Right, exactly. Um, so she says, you can help him onto my back and then climb on yourself. I need to get him to my office. Yeah. So then she ends up like riding that woman as a dragon, yeah. right? To the doctor's yeah. office. <laughs> yeah. Kind of fun. Um, and then he starts to wake up and she's all, you saved me. Tells him that you need to rest and heal and get healed up. Don't shift into your dragon form uh because you're you'll really damage yourself if you do um, he has a i think a distant cousin that's there also this is where we meet isabel oh, yeah some girl a young girl comes walking into the room mm -hmm. it's his cousin isabel and then the doctor says they he needs at least a week to recover so they're like okay well you're stuck here on a vacation basically while he rehabs mm -hmm. Yeah, and she tells him if you take care of yourself, your wings should be fine and you'll be able to to fly again. Yeah. Yeah, and he tells her Miss Marcus may be human, but at least she has a respectable, uh, you know, she has a good heart and she's a good person. And Isabel goes, Marcus, you know, she has kind of this weird look on her face. Okay, I didn't catch that at yeah. this point. I can't remember. I'm not sure how many days later, but uh, they're talking and they both kind of come to the same conclusion that the dad was the bomber. Yeah. They're at the hot springs and he's the doctor told him not to go in the hot springs, but Jillian was in there and she was naked and swimming around. And yeah. So how can he how resist? Can he resist? <laughs> well, before he gets in there though, he has, he gets a phone call from his boss, Martin um, and he tell he asks how's Jillian doing, and and Theo says, well, she's acting a little weird. And Martin says, well, there may be another reason for that. Nobody's claimed credit for the bombing yet. Uh, and he says, I know what you're saying, because he, he when mm -hmm. he he thought that was probably her dad, Gordon Marcus, Torch's own um, mansion. But Jillian hadn't told him, right? I don't think she had told him what she suspected yeah. that her dad had done so no they just talk about it together and come to the same like agreement that it had to happen yeah and that uh, her father did it to protect his horde or whatever and he starts to think of his own horde and that he's had some treasures all of his life and one of the things he has is a huge uncut ruby that he got on his first birthday from his father and then he he ends yeah. up getting into the hot springs with her yes and they have some sexy times in the hot mm. springs yeah she floats <laughs> over to him and slides up his lap oh love it 
<laughs> yeah, and they were, in his mind, they're truly mated now. So very quickly, you know, the dragon's telling him, you need to impress her. And he's like, how, do, how can I do that? And he, he says, make love to her on top of our horde. <laughs> that's impressive yeah. he's all i don't think that would be very comfortable but he comes up with an idea about taking her to a ball that's being thrown that night and that the doctor could probably loan her a ball gown and she says uh she smiles and then she goes i need to tell you something and she goes in every fairy tale there's a, a wicked king and she goes that's my dad and he basically mm -hmm. says, I, I already knew. Yeah, and then he also says that dragons don't like fairy tales. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't blame them. Yeah, they don't usually end well for the dragons. Yeah, and when they're going to go to this ball, they're, the doctor gives her a ball gown, and they're, they're going to go to the ball, and he's worried that people are going to be rude to her. But he knows no one would dare be rude to his mate in his presence. And he ends up putting that large uncut ruby around her neck and he says this is going to be the first gift i give you it's tradition to wear red a little red and gold uh to the ball and she's all is it yours or dr mendoza's and he kind of laughs because he says we don't loan our whore to other people <laughs> yeah it's like don't be yeah, ridiculous and it's like no it's my it comes from my grandmother's inheritance Everything in our horde has a history or a legend. So they go to the ball and they're not there very long. And then it kind of goes to shit very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So his cousin Izzy comes walking in in some white silk and satin and velvet and crystalline jeweled gown. So heavy and wrapped in jewelry that she can hardly wear. At first, she's like, okay, this is kind of weird. Like, she's wearing a very, like, distinct dress. She's doing, it's like a debutante ball, yes. almost. It's like her debut in society. So that's why she's wearing this fancy mm -hmm. outfit. But then Jillian recognizes the earrings that Isabel is wearing as the custom, like, hand-designed earrings that her mom had made when she was a little kid. Yeah. So she's like, how the hell did Isabel get those earrings? if not from my dad. Yeah, and he says, well, maybe they're, they're, it's just a coincidence or they look alike. And she goes, no, absolutely not. My mother sketched them up. My father gave them to her, you know, on their honeymoon. She's like, oh my God, he's here. He's come here with yeah. him. Yeah, there's no other explanation. Her dad has to be there in that mm -hmm. town. So we'd never find out how the dad found the town, right? We yeah, we do. Okay, how did the dad find the town? So, Isabel, so, uh, what does my notes say here? He gets really mad because he realizes that someone in the dragon community has sold out the dragons by letting her, uh, her father buy his way in. And because he had described these people as greedy, um, it says all this decorum when they were no better at following their laws than anyone else, because you're not allowed to let, you know, people come in unless obviously they're your mate. Um, and he, he yells out Isabel's name. Where did you get those? And she's like, you know, you know where. And he, she was afraid to tell him, but when she learned Jillian's name, Marcus, she knew it was her parents. It, it was her parents that 
took a bribe to let him into this, the Real Valley and hide him from the authorities. A lot happened in this last Yeah, chapter, a lot. So, <laughs> so it's a, a lot of confrontation and conflict. Yeah, so her mom is crying, her father's furious, and he's furious at, at Isabel for opening her her mouth and telling him. And then you hear Theo say, Dimitri and Isabel Bonet, I formally accuse you of tainting this community and the honor of our kind by giving aid and shelter to a thief in exchange for his money. Do you deny these charges? It was very like last stand, very ominous. It was sad. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Isabel tells Theo, I couldn't tell you because I, you know, you can't in the dragon families, you it's, you are not supposed to betray your family, but if she knew she wore the earrings, they would see them and they'd be able to put two and two together. Yeah. She was trying to out her parents without saying what her parents had done. She's pretty clever. She's very clever. And she said, you know, cousin Theo was hurt because of this explosion. His mate could have been killed. Her parents aren't great people. Just like Oh my God. Yeah. It's people. really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to, take them away from it you know so julian's comforting isabel theo's um confronting her parents he's in his mind thinking i'm gonna walk away from them this whole community i'm gonna take julian and isabel too if she wants to come and i'm gonna get them out of here i know it's so sad how he's like i'm taking my mate i'm taking my cousin if i have to but like we're freaking out of here yeah and then, and then her mother <laughs> says you know i'll go get him and bring him here you can return him to face justice. And she says, she apologizes to them. She says, I'm sorry. And then she speaks directly to Jillian and Isabel and says, I hurt you, my darling. She says to Isabel, and I put you in a position um, where you would have to risk hurting this woman. And that's when Isabel runs into her arms and forgives her mother. She feels terrible for her mom. So basically Isabel and her mom are in the mm -hmm. clear for these crimes. So then Jillian's dad and Isabel's dad are the ones that are in big serious kind trouble. Of get all the yeah, they're in trouble. Yes. Jillian's dad gets like returned to go to jail. Isabel's dad, I don't know, he gets some sort of like dragon justice. All his hoard is taken away. All his treasure gets taken away and he's punished for what he did. Yeah. And when her father walks in, she tells him, I was in the house, I was standing in my bedroom when the bomb went off. If Theo hadn't been there, you would have killed me. We'd both be dead. And he's all, I just came back because I wanted to say goodbye to you. Liar. Yeah. Or no, she tells him, I came back to the house because I wanted to say goodbye to you. I don't know. He only took the one nutcracker, right? And she's like, if you really <clears throat> wanted to like say goodbye to me or like be there because of me, you would have taken something that had to do with me, but you only took something that had to do with yourself. So like you're full well, of shit. Well, and he, he fesses up to the fact that he's the one that threw the brick through the window hoping to scare her and, and Tiffany out of the house so he could break in and get that nutcracker. Uh, his obsession with these nutcrackers, I honest to God thought he had gold inside them or something and that's why he had so 
really, that's what I thought. I thought he's got to have money in those things. And that's why he has so many of these stupid nutcrackers. Okay. I never thought about that. I just was thinking he was just using them to blow up the house. And he only wanted that one because it was had to do with when he was a little well, that kid is or something. Why. I was thinking of my own, my own thing. But he does say to her that Dimitri and he were had done some business together a while ago. And he had always remembered that he had told him about this place and how plush it was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's right. and I thought, oh, so Dimitri's spilling his guts about this secret valley that he's not supposed to tell anybody about. Yeah, that's uh, Isabel's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Isabel says, goes back to Jillian and hugs her and says, I'm sorry your father is such a scoundrel. So because Dimitri has to, Dimitri does have to forfeit his wealth as punishment. The wealth, because it was Theo and his mate that were wronged by him doing this and the explosion or whatever, all of Dimitri's money goes to Theo. Theo gives it to Jillian so Jillian can pay back all the people that were lost money to her father. And she said, well, what about Isabel and her mother? And she goes, please, Elizabeth, that's Isabel's mother's name, is richer than Dimitri. She has her own hoard. It's far more substantial. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think they talk about that in the epilogue. And he says, this is probably why Dimitri agreed to help your dad because he was trying to increase his hoard because he didn't like that his hoard was smaller than his wife's hoard or something. Yeah, and for him, it's all, all money. Yeah, driven. and for a dragon, Theo as a dragon to give up his hoard to her just means everything to her. She's like, you give up a chance to have that much more money for me. And he said, I'd give up anything for you. Uh, once Dimitri's hoard comes into my possession, honestly, it's for the best if you take it and get rid of it before I have a chance to yeah. get attached. My, my intentions are good. But I'm still yeah. a dragon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and the epilogue talks about Theo's wings don't have scars on them. Um, she clears him and tells him you can take off in a couple of days. He only has like the thinnest of a scar left on it. And she asks him, will you take me flying tonight? And he does. <laughs> right? He takes her yeah, flying. Yeah, it's really... It's very sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. She says, uh, I'm your mate. You saved my life. And she's all, you saved me back. Yeah. So they end up having sex again in this chapter. And while they're doing that, he calls her treasure. Yes. And it was super cute. Yeah. He's all. I was like, oh man, he's finally giving her a pet name in the epilogue. But it was worth the wait because it was Yeah. Perfect. He says fast and hard treasure. And she's all fast and hard. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the book. Yeah, happily ever after. So, uh, what did you think of the book, and what's your rating? I think I'd probably give it, like, maybe three to three and a half stars. Mm. I thought it was okay. I really loved their banter. I thought it was really Mm -hmm, funny. I agree. Really clever. Um, Some stuff kind of dragged on for me, though. Like, we didn't really discuss it in the podcast, but in the book, there was a lot of discussion about Don Quixote and things of that nature. I was like, okay, I could have just done with, like, one little mention of that and then moved on, but because it was mentioned so much, I thought it was a little annoying. Um, And then the plot twist with the dad at the end, I thought was kind of far-fetched, which is ridiculous because this is a ridiculous Mm -hmm. premise for a book to begin with. But I don't know. The plot twist at the end was okay. Okay. So what, what did you rate it? Three to three and a half? Yes. What did you think? I love this book. I was shocked at how much I liked it. I absolutely love their interaction. I was swooning 
at all of their conversations. Uh, I don't think there was a, to me, I didn't think of a lot of the Don Quixote, you know, there was just to me a couple of references. I was, my one criticism I was going to say is that the end was wrapped up very quickly and it was a little odd that this dragon would betray all the other dragons and let this human come in. I thought that was that was a little odd. But I still, given all of that, I would still give it probably four wet panties because I love them so much. Okay. Yeah, all the conflict happened in the very last chapter. So I don't know. Maybe if it was spread out over more chapters or something, it would have been different for me. I don't know. Yeah. The ending did seem a little rushed. So the next book, I think, is about Martin in this series. And I'm probably going to read it. It is. I looked it up already. Yeah. Oh, you haven't read it already? I'm shocked. <laughs> no, I haven't read it yet. But I, I did look it up because I was interested to see who the other books oh, okay. were about. I really liked the author's writing style. Me too. I was very pleasantly and surprised. Like the, yeah, like the use of language was really good. I don't know. So I, there were things that I really liked about it. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to say about this one? Or should I just announce the next I book? I think you should announce the next book since we went through all the trouble of finding one <laughs> since we picked it an hour yeah. ago <laughs> exactly. yes yeah 20 minutes before recording i was like oh crap we never picked the next book um so the next book is stolen in the dark Faye bureau of investigation book number one by scarlet west so apparently we're in a like federal law enforcement um kink right now because oh. we US Marshals oh. and now we're doing basically like the Faye version of the FBI. Oh, I, that's <laughs> funny. I didn't even realize that because we did do it all very last minute. And I, I did want to ask you, what do you what did you say you were reading now? I'm doing my Crescent City reading. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I of course went back to Ruby Dixon and I'm reading the next book in the dragon, the da dragon uh, genre that she's writing about. And that this I think I'm on book nine and I think there's only a couple more books. And then the, the whole dragon world, I believe comes to an end. Oh no. I know. <laughs> and all the Ruby Dixon people that are in the same Facebook group as me go, well, you just reread her books. I'm like, I, I never, I never reread a book, but okay. Yeah. I don't usually reread, but because I read Crescent city, the first book so long ago when, like you know came out i'm like i really don't remember what was happening so i was like okay let me do a reread even though this thing's like a beast it is i'm reading that and then i'm gonna read the house of sky and breath and then i either have to read this book for the podcast or i have to read my library book that i just got that i only am allowed to have for 21 days how so are you gonna read to, all three i have to chop yeah. three or four <laughs> books in a week you have a week right well apparently i can't leave the house now that oh my god COVID, that's right so <laughs> you'll be done in two days uh, then yeah i'm gonna be doing a lot of reading and finishing up the um love is blind oh my god uh, marathon <laughs> god let's not even start talking about that because we'll really go long but yeah that that is some crazy ass shit it just makes me very grateful that I'm single. Whenever yeah. I feel like I'm lonely or God, I wish I was in a relationship. I'm going to watch those shows. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> then just be glad that you're just sticking with the fictional book. It, it does make me feel better though, because I realize it's not just me. It's not because I'm so jacked up. I can't have a relationship. It's that relationships suck a lot of the time. <laughs> okay. So if you want to rate and review us on Apple podcasts, that would be great. 
You can rate us on Spotify. Uh, Instagram is at Bonded Books Podcast. Facebook group is The Parlor. Uh, there's a link. There's going to be a link to everything in the notes uh, for this episode. And our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And if it, I'm glad we did this today because now my throat's starting to hurt. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and if so anybody today, thinks of some really awesome books that, you know, they want to suggest, please feel free to contact us somehow and let us know what that would be. Yeah, that's how we found the end of hatred. But just remember, if you're an author and you're reaching out, it's a hit yeah. or miss if we're going to like it or not. So uh, suggest at your own risk. But um, if you've read the book yourself and you love it, we're always open to suggestions. It is hard because we did this every mm -hmm. single week to come up with a new book every time. So uh, definitely open to suggestions. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about authors. I was just thinking of people like us that just read a lot well, that could suggest something. More than anything, we've had authors reach out to us more than readers. Well, Rebecca Hoffner, I really have to give a hats off to her because the fact that she, you know, reached out to you and said, hey, would you be interested in reading my book? That was really brave of her. And I was really concerned because I don't want to be mean to anybody. And I was so happy that I loved her book. I loved, love, loved that book. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay, oh, well, we will. But maybe you don't want to tell anybody that we've reviewed your book yeah. after you hear the yeah. episode. <laughs> if you are an author uh, and you want to suggest your book, that's fine. But please listen to what we say about it before you post it on your page for your followers to listen to it. Because, you know, we are blatantly honest. And, you know, Rachel keeps saying that's what we're supposed to be doing. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's how I do my reviews on Goodreads and Amazon. So, and I review everything I read no matter yeah. what. So right. I don't want to do the podcast differently. Me either, really. So, okay. Listen at your own risk again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, babe. I hope you all feel better. All right. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.